What's up, guys? I'm Daniel Logan, Boba Fett from Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and The Clone Wars. You are listening to Call the Portion Podcast. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome. Uh, we are the Quarter Portion Podcast. We are the only Star Wars podcast that prefers to call it aggressive negotiations. Uh, I'm Chris DeHoog. I am your host today, and this is my co-pilot, Amy Cameron. Hello. We have been London's own Star Wars podcast for the last five years or so, and uh, we're excited to be back here again. We were here three years ago for mm-hmm. uh, the last Comic-Con, and we did uh, Phantom Menace. So with it being the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones, we thought... Hey, let's let's talk about that. <laughs> exactly. Continue um, on. <laughs> so, yeah, the way we kind of do it here is we kind of ground things in our own experience and then kind of go from there. So, um, we always like to kind of start by talking about uh, when when did you first see Attack of the Clones? Uh, I did see it in theaters. I went with my dad because he was a huge Star Wars fan. Um, so that was my first time seeing it. It was my first time actually think like first or second time actually going to the theaters because I was quite young, not to age myself for anybody else that feels that way. Um, so I, yeah, I went with him and uh, that in itself was an experience because uh, like, again, the CGI was like such a new thing to be coming out for that time. And it was at that point, like really spectacular. Um, so it was really cool to see on the big screen uh, for that. What about you, your first time? Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> so I got into the movies before like the special editions came out. So it was, a, it was like a tradition for me, but Phantom Menace when I was a kid, I, I liked it. And then it kind of tapered off on Star Wars for a bit there. So uh, I saw Attack of the Clones in the theaters with my dad, I think it was too, actually, coincidentally. Um, and then I got right deep back into everything else uh, with Star Wars, like the books, like the new Jedi Order books were going on at the mm-hmm. time, with the Yuuzhan Vaughn invasion and all that stuff. Um, and then I found it kind of weird, because that was like the first time that the internet was really around for a Star Wars movie. So I was like, this movie's really cool and awesome <laughs> and stuff. And then I go online and everyone's kind of bagging on it. I'm like, no, yeah. this, is a, this is a new reaction. People don't like Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah, that was, a, that was one of the kind of historical quirks of this movie is that we had that around, right? Yes. Like for Phantom Menace, people had to like seek out Ahmed Best's like personal address to send him hate mail. Whereas now you can just kind of be yeah, so much more anything, accessible. Yeah, be like, I'm just gonna, you know, put my MSN tag as I hate Star Wars. Yeah. Like. <laughs> oh MSN tags. That's my favorite self service. Um, so yeah, what were your kind of reactions to the first viewing though? Because like you kind of came into the movies with the prequels, right? Yes, so I came into Star Wars with Phantom Menace. Um, I had not ever seen the Star Wars movies beforehand and then followed the movies as they came out. My dad offered to watch, have me watch episode four after I saw Phantom Menace because I was in love with it. And I was like, no, I want to wait now so I can see the full story unfold. So like, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert. I didn't know Vader was like Vader um, until I actually got to that point. Um, so that was a really cool experience within itself. Um, so I was in love with it. Absolutely in love with it. So not knowing that Vader was, or Anakin was Vader in the end. Yes. How did you kind of react to like the things he does in this particular film? Um, I figured it out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was able, cause obviously I knew like the premise of Star Wars. Like that's my dad would tell me about stuff. And he'd be like, yeah, there's this one bad guy, Vader and stuff like that. So I was kind of able to figure out, okay, well this is supposed to be the prequel series. So it's got to lead into it. And um, plus there's the one scene whenever he's talking about killing all of the sand people where they play the Imperial March with it. So that was kind of a dead giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it, I, I have a seven-year-old daughter who likes Star Wars because I like it, but I haven't, like, she doesn't know that Vader is Anakin yet, or that, like, Luke Skywalker is Vader's son yet. Yeah. So, like, I was thinking about it when I was rewatching it for this panel, actually, because there's a whole, if, if, if anyone's heard of, of, of the Machete Order, basically, you start with the, with the, uh, with four and five, and then go back to the prequels, and, like, that could have been, like, your introduction to the movies. Like, mm -hmm. I was thinking about, you know, what would it have been like to just go into this totally blind yeah. and not know that Anakin is, like, becomes... You know the biggest monster in the galaxy, because <laughs> it's like, oh, he's a nice enough guy. He's got this banter, and then, oh, what's he doing to the Tuscan Raiders? <laughs> this, is, this is bad news bears. Um, I don't know if we'd say a nice enough guy. I don't know. Well, we'll we'll, um, we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> That's a whole. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, on that point, actually, one of the points I wanted to bring up was that uh, for the way he talks, a lot of people that was one of the things that people hated about it. But think about Vader talks. He was made to talk like Vader. Like, you're not suddenly going to change how... Sure, he had the, the voice change for, obviously, his vocal cords probably got burned in the lava and what have you. So they had to do that. But his actual, like, influxes and stuff, that may not have had to change. So I think they actually purposely tried to make him sound like that and then came off as um, it being bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think the intention was for him to talk like Vader but with a regular voice, which didn't come out the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, yes. I was gonna say. I think it's more a combination of like the dialogue as written and the direction and his acting skills. Like it's not just all on it's not all on, on Hayden Christensen. If you don't like his acting, like it's the way it was written. It's yeah. And the Lawrence casting up. Right. Yeah. The the staff change behind the scenes from the original trilogy to the to the prequels was huge. Like cast in uh, Marshall Lucas. Uh, Richard Kasdan too. Like there was a lot of people. Or not Richard. Um, Mark Wand. Richard Mark Wand, the Richard the Jedi director. It's a whole other thing. So there was a huge turnaround, and the the writing is where I think you really see the difference in the prequels. But um, mm -hmm. I wanted. To, yeah, we might as well bring this up now since we're talking about Anakin's qualities. <laughs> One thing I was. We, were, we we both watched the movie independently to get ready for this, and I was texting Amy going, Anakin's creepy now. Like he just comes off really creepy to me now as like. 35 year old father like it's just I'm still wearing my rose colored glasses and in love with him so it's fine so we have it's fine yeah all spectrums it's just Same. the dialogue is kind of cringy I found oh no I loved it but I'm like I like so I'm like so like I went back to my teenage years of being like oh my god I love the angsty boy I can fix you let me heal you yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah so <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. There was a few moments for sure. Like again, the Tuscan Raider scene where he's just like, "I hate them." Like I like I'm, like he's fully admitting that he doesn't regret what he had done necessarily. He just knows he wasn't supposed to, and he's like, "I feel bad about not feeling bad." Essentially, and she's just like, "I love you," and it's like, <laughs> she's got some problems too. It's fine. You're, you're a senator. <laughs> exactly. She's not from there. She wouldn't know. It's the outer rim. Exactly. So for all she knew, they were these savage people, and same with us as viewers until recently unless you've seen Boba Fett and stuff like that uh, we also believe that these were just savage type people we were never allowed to be humanizing them until recently so yeah Boba Fett's done a lot to <laughs> fix their reputation yeah. for sure. <laughs> like a bantha yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah no I just didn't love his dialogue it just kind of comes off really cringy all the stuff and she buys into it too and it's just like are, how much this is because the this, this story needed you to and like would Padme as an authentic character have actually that yeah that is my my only thing with it is that with padme like she's such a strong 
force of a character. Like, she is by far my favorite character in Star Wars. I think she, especially for the time, having such a strong woman in power, like in a political power position, is listened to, is respected, and is incredibly intelligent, smart, witty, all this stuff. And then, yeah. But again, I feel like, I feel like it's the same thing. Like, maybe she reverts to her teenage self being like, he's angsty, I love him, let me fix you. Like, <laughs> true love is blind, Chris. It is, it is. And they were about to die, so I mean, emotions get heated. Yeah. And, yeah, you can go with it. Yeah, that, uh, one thing that didn't age well for me, but I mean, it's it's Star Wars. It's not perfect, right? Yeah. Like, it's, nothing is ever perfect. <laughs> Um, if anyone has any questions throughout, just feel free to throw a hand up and we'll get to them too mm -hmm. as well. By all what means. do you think about probably the scene of the best scene? When, uh, when Dooku was going to Anakin and Prince and basically telling him the whole thing, knowing that <laughs> nobody would never believe him. Oh, when nobody, mm -hmm. nobody wants captive, yeah, it kind of does the whole, uh, you know, That's join right. me, we can rule the galaxy, yes. the classic uh, pitch. He's the whole thing. Yes. And he knew that it's a guaranteed lie. He told him the truth. Just throw it out. <laughs> yeah, no, well, exactly. Yeah. And that, well, that's what happens because even Yoda and Mace Windu, when they're talking about it later, they're like, nah, the Senate's, we'll keep an eye on them, but they're fine. No, and I'm like, guys, use the Force. Earlier on, they're like, maybe? Oh, they, they can never know our, our, our ability to sense the Force is diminished. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, it's like, no, we, we got this. There's yeah. no way they're in the Senate, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, you yeah. say that you want to see the true fall of the Empire, watch the folklore wars. Yes. See how the Republic degenerates. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I definitely appreciate that about this movie now, Watch having watched The Clone Wars, you know, there's a whole other layer that you can see where they're going with that. Well, yeah, it's, it's like, it really does, it, and it makes episode three when you go back and watch it too. So, like it was already an emotional film, obviously, with watching tons of things that happened through that, but it makes it so much more emotional when you actually watch the clones turn um, after Order 66, and you're like, no, Rex, <laughs> Cody, no, <laughs> you're my they, friends. They watch the Bad Batch when they realize when the clones hurt their allies, yeah, the the shift in strategies between the Republic and like the Empire is really clever and how they go from like, you know, fighting the droids to fighting with humans that are basically droids, like yes. you said. Yeah. Then, then like the mountain just get recruits anyway. Exactly, and then and get recruits that can't shoot for that matter too, because you know, none of them can hit a mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I watched Attack of the Clones for the first time. Oh awesome. I, my friend, oh, so Anakin's a fuckboy, and she's absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yes. In Clone Wars, he's 100%, yeah. <laughs> that's that's like a great way to look at it. There's a casting, <laughs> Toby McGuire, yeah. Good actor. That would be interesting, yeah. Yeah, so um, middle installments of trilogies, like or second movies in a series like this, often struggle to kind of follow the movie before them. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like the Two Towers. My personal favorite Lord of the Rings film, but you know, the, the middle trilogy or the middle part of a trilogy always has a lot of work to do to connect the beginning and end. Um, and that was kind of the case for Attack of the Clones, where you had to go from Anakin's a little boy to Anakin's about to like become a monster. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you kind of think uh, Attack of the Clones lived up to what Phantom Menace laid down for it? I personally think it exceeded it. I like Attack of the Clones better than The Phantom Menace. I actually feel like The Phantom Menace put more groundwork down than Attack of the Clones did. Because Attack of the Clones, we're actually getting into it. You're like, okay, yes, I'm going to... Again, little boy Anakin, you're like, okay, yeah, he's a little boy. I get that they had to make him young to take him into the Jedi Order. It makes sense. But it, it really is... That one almost feels like a prologue to the prologue, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like Attack of the Clones is where you actually start to actually get into it. And um, again, you start to understand the political changes and shifts that happen whenever, you know, suddenly Palpatine's given this emergency power. Um, so you have that to the start to be like, oh, okay, I can see 
the republic starting uh, to fall even here, obviously, right? And then, um, yeah, to see Anakin's very emotional responses to everything he's doing despite his training um, is very important and key to what the future holds. So I think that it was, it was the main part of it, really. Yeah, I mean, like um, for me, the middle trilogy part just this, this part is not plagued by that for me. Mm-hmm. It's like it, this is very much getting the momentum going. Um, that being said, like there is a bit of a jump, not just yes. like chronologically because there is about ten years between the movies, but um, just <laughs> the way Anakin has grown up and not grown up too, because Obi Wan still takes every opportunity to call him my young Padawan yes. and like downplay his experience and stuff like that. Yeah, like, it's funny that you say that because like, like Phantom Menace, it very much is a prologue to a prologue, right? Like yeah. I think we don't really needed this film and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yes. It's, I, like I'm, I'm not saying Phantom Menace is a bad movie or anything, but like story-wise, all the beats are there in Attack of the Clones, so like go forward. So yes. yeah, I never thought of Phantom Menace as a prologue. Yeah, a prologue. I feel like it could have been like its own standalone and not really part of a trilogy personally. Um, but I still liked it and appreciated it because I'm a huge backstory person. If there's anything I'm doing, whether it's a game, video game, board game, anything, I'm like, the backstory. So I'm a huge appreciator towards the backstory of it all. But yeah, I do think that the story really does start for Anakin going into Vader and going into what the Republic turns into starts with Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but, like, like you don't even really need to have seen him on Tatooine before that. Like, you know, the, this movie does a pretty good job of just establishing the, old, the whole tragic loss of his mother on its own. Yeah, and they mentioned that, you know, again, you get the, the feeling, uh, you know, she was sold from Buono to being able to be sold to the large family and then marrying free the serial case. They're slaves, so, like, you, yeah, you get enough of his backstory even with Attack of the Clones. Yeah, one thing I kind of thought that Deshi didn't, pan, didn't play forward all of was, was his mother, too, because that it's a big turning point. It's the first real, like, heinous act that he commits, mm-hmm. but it's never referenced again, really, like... So I thought, watching it again, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird they never really bring that up again. It's just part of his thing, and it's... You know, well, I mean, who else, is, who else is going to know about it other than Padme? Right, that's that too. Yeah. Right? So, I like, what's he going to do, tell everyone? So I slaughtered a bunch of people so anyways, and I was back on Tatooine. Like. So anyways, I flew into Mos Eisley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I feel like this is a thing that just him and Padme know, because he doesn't tell anybody else. So it makes sense that it's never brought up again. It's like, okay, hey, yeah, that was a dark moment. Let's just skirt over that as many of his dark moments are <laughs> everyone just kind of goes that was probably nothing it's yeah fine. Well, it's everyone, fine it's fine he doesn't cut loose every now and well then, he's yeah. again it's even mentioned in this movie he's supposed to be the one to bring balance to the force i think that means he's gonna be the one to save them all so they're like he'll save it it's fine it's, <laughs> it's a little dirty it's still good it's still good uh, <laughs> yeah kind of basing off of that as well like 20 years later do we think this movie serves his character arc well did we really get the kickoff here that it needed or Yes and no. Um, I definitely think that it it shows where his dark side comes from because he ends up, you know, eventually going straight to the dark side because of the fear of losing Padme. So he's obviously a very emotional person and that has not been able to take it out of his training. So I think that was very important to see in this film because it's that that drives him into becoming Vader. And even as Vader, as we've seen in the movies, and I won't talk too much about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series because people may have seen all yet but it shows in that how even as Vader it's all emotionally driven um, everything he does and chooses so I think they did a very good job at showing that I just feel like when they were doing the back and forth between Obi-Wan and Anakin that's where it took it away from because they kind of just 
jumped everywhere being like, oh, now they're in the field and now they're eating dinner. And like, it was just kind of like everywhere um, versus just kind of like, we almost been better as like a montage versus like the back and forth. Because it's, it's all intercut through Obi-Wan going through the Camino cloning yes. facility. Yes, I, I and then did you know this? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. he's, you know, he's touring the facility and meanwhile they're, they're going on like a, <laughs> a romance yeah, tour. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and it's like, hey, how much time is passing? Because it seems like it's probably weeks on Naboo, but it seems like Obi-Wan just spent a day on Camino. So like, I feel like, like a, if they rearranged it differently, <laughs> um, it would have helped. 15 Beyonce costume changes. Oh my God. Like... Yeah, we have to get into her costume changes for sure. <laughs> it's the best part of the movie for me is her costumes. Actually, it's funny you mentioned Obi-Wan Kenobi too, because again, having watched the finale this week and then watching this, it's like, okay, there was more grounds for them to like also have that antagonism too because mm-hmm. like Anakin's got a lot of reason to kind of be mad with Obi-Wan in this movie alone because he's constant like I said kind of like gaslighting him almost like putting him down constantly like yeah. my young Padawan no shut up you know like, yeah, yeah it's not it's really not until point doesn't matter in the Clone Wars TV show and into episode three that they actually build that friendship because like you said right now it's like he's my father figure and Anakin's kind of going through that rebellious stage trying to push their dad, as many people with teenagers may know, um, you know, push that boundaries. Former and, and teenagers. See, exactly. Yeah. Um, for that kind of situation um, until they become the Brotherhood, which happens in episode three. So I, I agree. I think it's very interesting to see that arc because it turns in from he's a young boy looking up to this Jedi master being like, you're the coolest to now I see us as equals because I'm obviously more powerful than you. But Obi-Wan trying to be like, no, your training's not complete to then okay, you've grown and now we like each other and we actually work with each other. And really, it's the, the Clone Wars that do that because they're forced into battle together and for what we want to treat Anakin like an equal. Um, so we can thank thank the war for that. Thank the war. Yes, with Ahsoka, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Even though he never met the rank of master. <laughs> Don't have to prickly subject. That's not, that's not go there. Um, yeah, how have other other recent stories like Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of changed uh, um, your appreciation for the movie and its characters like because we've had a lot of stories we've had a lot of stories we've had a lot of stories yeah we've had a lot of story and it really bridges everything beautifully together if anybody ha- hasn't seen um, a lot of the stuff happening with the Clone Wars I definitely recommend it whether it be you know things like Rebels or the Clone Wars TV show because I've always loved the prequel series like even just from episode 2 to episode 3 I was like I thought that it was well done for what it needed to do to build for into the original trilogy, um, but seeing all the in-betweens, like it really does. And like I, as soon, I think it was by episode two on the first day that Obi Wan Kenobi came out, and I was messaging Chris, being like, "This is the best Star Wars that has ever Star Wars." <laughs> like it was just so like because you know everything and you know what's gonna happen, and it's just this perfect marriage of of what the prequels were and what Anakin and Obi Wan were and were to become to each other, like one of the lines that happens early on in Attack of the Clones is Obi-Wan actually saying to Anakin being like, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? And I'm like, why did I never even pick up on that until last night when I watched it? Like, oh, really? are you kidding? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so it was just... Yeah, like, there's so many things. Like, the people, again, rag on this movie, but there's so many clever moments in it that really do build up and bring back to the whole story. Mm-hmm. Clone Wars has such a big impact on how I view the prequels mm-hmm. overall too and I just found myself wishing actually that, that Ahsoka was in this somehow like I know yeah it's well, hard the, the, with there's, Ahsoka there's Twi'leks in uh, there's a Twi'lek on the council whose name I'm blanking on and uh, there's like a ty- Twi'lek paddle one I think too or like one of the younglings yeah it's like could that have been a, oh, no, 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 it's only two years away no it's not Ahsoka um, yeah that's one of the things that I kind of wish was in 
the movies proper. Like, it's all there now for yes, us. Yes, they put it in. But yeah, I agree. And the prequel movies would have been, because they made Ahsoka later on, It would. It, it, that's the only part that I feel is lacking as well, is that, yeah, Ahsoka plays such a pivotal role in all these extra TV series and, and things like that. And for her to not have made it into the movies, obviously, because she wasn't created yet. Yeah. It, yeah, I find that that is one missing piece that doesn't make sense. Like, you don't talk about her and, like, the conversation. We don't talk <laughs> like, about Ahsoka. We don't talk about Ahsoka. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, like, she really needed her to, like, be around to smack him upside the head. and yeah. <laughs> She could have fixed a lot of things if she'd been at a few different points in history, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's Chris here, just popping in around the midpoints for the couple housekeeping things. You're listening to our live episode from Forest City Comic Con 2022, held uh, last month here in London at the Centennial Hall. Yeah, we had a great turnout, uh, and you'll hear some of the questions that we were asked during the show here in this episode. Thanks to everybody who came out and uh, contributed to the conversation. Tried to clean up the audio as best we can so we can actually hear you guys properly. But uh, my apologies if it doesn't quite come through. It's our first show back in a while, so it was, it was good to be in front of uh, a crowd again and uh, to be chatting Star Wars with everybody. And as I mentioned in our last little updates last week, uh, we're hoping to be hitting the ground running and getting more episodes up more regularly with Amy and I and Pat when he's able to again, um, as well as some other guests that we're hoping to bring on. So, so stay tuned. Our transition to a new host is pretty much complete. You might still see a few hiccups here and there. If you do, please let us know so we can correct those. But uh, otherwise, everything should be running pretty smoothly. Again, as I mentioned in the update, if you are able to kind of share this with some friends, that would be a big asset to us, especially now that we have just come back from a little uh, unintentional hiatus and have moved to a new host. It would be great uh, if we can get some more years on the podcast and get some more questions and comments coming in so we can answer them and all that stuff. We're always looking for feedback, as always, is always worth 50 portions to us. And um, yeah, so without too much further ado, let's get back to the episode and uh, we'll be hearing more from us soon. Thanks. Well received in a lot of ways. We talked about that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but they've been a real. There's been a real resurgence of them. They've really kind of come back around to popularity in recent years, and I think a big part of that has been obviously memes. We can all kind of quote <laughs> some of the popular lines because of Obi Wan yeah. um, and all those things. Um, so I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm watching things that are overly memed nowadays, it kind of like takes me out of the movie entirely and goes, Ugh, just like there's one line that was that was almost in Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, in the finale again, no spoilers. Yes. But, uh, oh, it should have been there. I would have loved it. That was one like, of your no, first reactions. Ruined it. And I was like, no, I needed it. <laughs> you have enough memes as it is. Um, does that really, do, like, do you think that some of this, of, of, of this resurgence is like a genuine appreciation for the film now that we've kind of got the blinders off? Like, you know, back then it wasn't what we thought it was going to be for a lot of people. And now we kind of have the, the space to take it on its own merits. Or do you think it's just kind of memes for memes, like, like laughing at the no, thing for its own sake? I think us as a as a culture has evolved. Like, you know, things with, like we were talking about before the panel started was, you know, talking about how it's this young kid in episode one that people have ruined his life with hate. And back then, internet was just like, you just, you it's still is, you're anonymous, you say whatever you want. It still happens for sure, but it's frowned upon now. It's before you're like that cool kid being like, oh yeah, I made that kid cry online last night. Whereas now it's like, 
don't do that. So I think the culture has changed is the biggest thing. Whereas or people is are changing now, at least. Yeah. yeah, or is in the process of changing, thank goodness. Um, where, you know, kindness is becoming more of a popular thing than cruelty. Um, it's We're definitely trying. still out there, obviously. <laughs> I'm not saying it's like I'm not, you know, <laughs> blind to the cruelty of the internet. But I think that's the biggest thing is that people, again, like people are loving Hayden Christensen now because they're like, you know what? He didn't deserve that hate. It was, like you mentioned earlier, the, the more the directing, the writing, that kind of stuff. He was told to be acting this way. He's been in many other movies where his acting is perfectly fine. Like, you're like, you're a fine actor. He's not an you know, award-winning actor by any means, but he gets the job done that he's told to get done. And that's what he does in this series as well. Um, unfortunately, people just didn't like the job he was being told to be done. <laughs> that's the script's fault. Yeah, that's the joke. Back in 77, he had his wife, Marsha. Mm-hmm. He had Brian De Palma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can tell where he's going wrong. Yeah, he did this and was just like, yeah, he oh, I'm sorry. He got a star. No, 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 no. That's what I was excited when you when they were sold to Disney. Mm-hmm. Then there would be people who would say, this is not acceptable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. fill in the plot holes and things like that, which have done really well with all the extra stuff. Any plot holes and things like that, they've done such a good job at filling all that in. So, yeah, so I think that's more the turning point that it happened is not the memes in the culture people just being like oh yeah no I like it now because it's popular with the internet I think it's that people are just we've grown more as a culture mm-hmm. and are growing more as a culture being like it just wasn't acceptable for us to behave that way to A a series that is beloved and B human beings human beings yeah <laughs> ultimately yeah. yeah and I think there's a little bit more appreciation because we have that Yes. Yes, exactly. And especially yeah. Yeah, having the backstory, you appreciate, like you said, more with the, the, the original trilogy and with the backstory that's given with other TV series and uh, movies and things like that. You can you can bring it all together and be like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I think uh, what's called the animated series is what basically, basically filled all the holes yes. and made it better. That's yes. probably the reason why. I mean, the whole thing is a lot of people were upset. You know, he kept on telling me, oh, yeah, I already have them in the works. You know, I have the script and everything. I just need the film it, you know what I mean? And it was all, you know, it, it's a whole Boba Fett moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He keeps on telling you which Boba Fett is like this weird, mysterious character, and then he winds up in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> and, and George is, a, is an interesting character if you like, dive into like the history of all the drafts that happened with Star Wars. Like at one point it was going to be 12 movies, and then it was going to be nine, and it was going to be this or that, and like and Luke's love interest was going to be brought in at like and seven. And yeah. yeah, it's so many things that he threw around at one point, kind of hinted at in, at an interview, and then that could become popular mythology. And yeah. there's great there's great studies of all that stuff out there, and it's really fascinating all the things that changed over the years, but it also led to some story consistencies. And like you said, like he said, but well, that's going to be this great character and all that stuff. And then he had that unceremonious end that everyone kind of scoffed at forever. And you can't stop tinkering films. Like for instance, the whole Java scene, it's completely. Mm-hmm. It's completely redundant. Before Jabba had this feeling of this unseen menace. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is a Jabba the Hutt? Yeah. yeah. It's much more intimidating in Return of the Jedi when it's like his own turf, <laughs> not him making a social visit for some reason. Yeah, and to kind of come back to like the expectations too, like um, there's a great stand up comedy bit from Patton Oswalt. He's like a big uh, stand up comedian, big Star Wars fan. And he was joking about how um, he, he wants to go back in time to when George Lucas was writing the prequels and, and stop him essentially. You love Anakin, right? You want to see his backstory where he's a sad little kid? No, I just want to see him be Darth Vader. <laughs> like there was a whole disconnect of like you know he he, he has these awesome characters. He take, takes it back to like a very traumatic incident, and it's not the most inspiring thing necessarily for some people. Mm-hmm. I like those things myself, but yeah. I can see why people wouldn't have. They want to see him with a jetpack, right? Takes some time to wife, because she was necessary for the whole the whole drama. Marsha Lucas had a big had a big role in the I mean, first she, film. Yeah. She had drama elements. 
Yeah, again, if you dig into his personal life and like all the things that are going on around those times in between the movies, and you know, he's at the end of the day, he just wants to be a father to his kids, right? Like that's just kind of his big motivator. And if he's telling stories on the big screen for them or at at home, he's kind of made peace with that at least, I think. But um, yeah, to come back to the kind of the current reputation too, like through the memes, and like has kind of led to this for one way or another has led to a kind of a positive shift in reputation. It's so nice to see. Hayden Christensen on the press tour going like, I thought oh, you guys all yeah. hated me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this are, warm welcome yeah. now is great. People are really showing him love, which is which is good. I think it's well deserved. Um, I think that again, for those that haven't seen all of Obi Wan Kenobi yet, when you do see it or if you do see it, they'll be very pleased with his performances. I thought he did a phenomenal job, um, and I think he deserves the love that he's been getting for sure. Mm-hmm. I think he deserved it. Long ago. <laughs> 20 years late, but... Uh, yes. <laughs> now we see to fix uh, Jake Lloyd's situation. Yes. He's in a... Dark place. He's in a dark place. On the best, even, I actually had to come back around, too. He's hosting the one um, Jedi Trials thing for kids on Disney+. Oh, Plus. yes. So yeah. he's, he's come back around, too. Um, talked a lot about Anakin, actually. What are some other kind of standout characters for you in this movie? Well, obviously Padme. Like I said earlier, I'm, like, obsessed. And, like, your costume back there, by the way. Oh, it's, like, <laughs> my favorite costume that she wears, other than her wedding dress. I was telling Chris before, I was, like, I was this close for my own wedding to have somebody make that for my wedding dress. This close. <laughs> I will never make this again. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Too long, too much money, too much dye. Yeah. How, how long was it, by the way? To make it asking. nine months. Wow. Uh, Good on you. Cosplay maker, though, so like I would do it every day for hours, like yeah. And then I would put it away for months. Yes, like, and then go back, back to it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized I had to actually finish it. The motivation to finish it was strong Comic-Con because I wanted to get into Yes. So I got accepted like right before. Oh, awesome. But I applied, and they were like, it's not screen accurate enough. They sent it back to me, and I was like, I'm not doing it. And I was like, I'll do it. And I did it. I, I've always loved Padme. She's my favorite character in the entire series for all the reasons I said before. Um, so she was always a big standout for me. And then, of course, Mace Windu. Yeah, finally Come get on. to see him do something. Mace Windu. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Can you really go wrong with that ever, no matter what he does? Not really, no. <laughs> no you can't. Yeah. <laughs> I always like the book. First thing that was done was Jimmy Smith's oh yes at the very end he's standing there he knows what's going on oh yeah that's that's what I said it, too yeah. I was just he like Bale's not okay with happening he's like well yeah. All right, this, this, is the is, thing. this is where we are now he said he gave up the powers I mean we'll go with it let's see what happens yeah so no seeing Bale in this movie as well like you said he does a great job without lines to really he barely says anything yeah <laughs> to, to, to really get that feeling across and again knowing where his character ends up going and with Leia and everything like that again he's a cool character to see in there um, I just, I love, you know, the scene when all the Jedi come in and you see all those other Jedi that you've seen kind of offhand or you've heard the stories about or read the books about, but to actually see them in the battle and in the ring is super cool with like Elisa Cura and um, Placoon. Not Kiati Mundi. No, not Kiati Mundi. <laughs> Yoda starts using the item that would be his own destruction. He's the one to show up the clones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This Palpatine's creation yeah. Yeah. Vision's clouded. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I said. That's a. It's the reason why Attack of the Clones is a better movie than what people thought it was because of moments like that, where when you see the whole picture and then go back and look at these instances, you're like, 
wow, yeah, how would they be like, yeah, let's just give the power over to one person, because he seems like he's a reliable sort, and we'll just start, an, oh, we'll just get a clone army, that seems fine. What can possibly like, go wrong? Yeah, what, yeah, what could possibly go wrong? And, and yeah, like you said, bring it to their, their own demise is, it's very, very cool to, to watch it all be a full circle for that sort of situation. It would have been nice if they had actually said, what, yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it would have. What could... I know. Yeah, right. yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's, like, what, that's what Chris mentioned. He's just like everybody must have known that they, they all knew. They, 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 they were everybody knew they were banging. They we had knew no it. shell. This is like scenes that they put in the new Clone Wars. Um, yes, season was like the first episode where Anakin's talking to Padme, and Obi Wan's like, "What's Anakin doing in there?" Oh yes, <laughs> I hope you said hi to Padme. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "I hope you said hi to Padme for me." Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Kiss your wife goodbye before yeah. you go. Come on, be decent yeah. at least. You're gonna sneak around. And, you know, everyone knew they could have gone forward, I guess, and see what would have happened. But yeah. Yoda too with his first fight scene. Oh uh, yes, the Yoda scene. Again, this is one of those things that people were like, Yoda shouldn't flip around, he's too CG. I'm like, That's how else would he fight, though? Like, There's something really yeah, cool about him being like, oh, even after the fight, he like, pulls his cane out, he's hobbling again. I know. But it's, I such, it's such like a kung fu master movie, like samurai movie, like yes. fake out, you know, being incapable. I, I remember that moment in theaters so clearly of him dropping it, and then when he uses the force to get his lightsaber, and I'm like, Oh shit's about to get down! <laughs> and so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know people were upset with the CG because again, but again, it was a generational thing. Like somebody said earlier, with generational stuff, these were the same people that watched Yoda as a puppet. They're like, you should have been the puppet. This is not Yoda, right? I'm like, yeah, but that like everything's changed now. Not only our own personal technology, but this is a prequel series. You know, this is while he was still a very active Jedi master doing training, training Padawan, his own like. So it made, it made sense to me. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Not the, to mention he's fighting Christopher Lee, who yeah. himself was like in his 80s probably, or yes. 70s at that point. Um, yeah. Probably older than uh, Alec Guinness was actually for New I Hope. I think he was, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah but, oh, the only scene that I actually didn't like when it came to like the lightsaber battle, battles was actually when it was Obi-Wan and Count Dooku, when they don't actually show a lot of the fighting. They just show like the glowing back and forth of their faces. They're just like, and like they don't even have facial expressions. I'm like, well, that ruined the moment. He was for going me. for something poetic there. <laughs> I think so, think and then it didn't. It didn't for me at least. It didn't pan out. I was like, I just wanted to see the lightsaber battle. But that's fine. Beyond <laughs> that, that was that was one of the cooler fights actually. Yes. In, the, in the prequels yeah, was that. The lightsaber, battle, lightsaber battles from the, from the prequels were mm -hmm. a lot better than the ones in the old series. Yes, and it depends on where where you're coming from with that because the original series, the whole yeah. reason why it was so stiff is a lot because of Alec Guinness, where he and was like, no, we're doing proper sword fighting. And like Prowse's suit was so inflexible, like he was, exactly. in his, he was basically in the metal coffin his entire exactly. Shoot, so they so. had so they had to make it that way. Whereas with the prequels, again, technology, costume advances, things like that, they're like. And the, they're like they're Jedi. They can be like cool with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Matrix was doing some cool stuff with movies around the same time too. I think yeah. he was taking note of that in some cases in terms of framing. The original Matrix. That was all practical, most all practical facts, you know what I mean? That was about the whole, whatever the... The bullet time, bullet yeah. Time thing. That was like just the practical facts, it's not CD at all. Mm. Yeah, the whole array of cameras, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's really impressive. Yeah, there's, the prequel choreography is fine too, like it's just, like, again, my one thing with it is all the spinning they do in episode three, like the one spot where they're just like, 
back and forth <laughs> for 30 seconds. Like, that's it's that's extravagant, it's but fun. like, like Darth Maul versus uh, Qui Gon and Obi Wan is one of the best ones. Oh in the yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the best fights in the entire all of it. Only yeah. he is the most dramatic. It's so yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's, that's exactly it. Like people again, not to just spoilers with Obi Wan Kenobi for the series, but like people were complaining. He's still yeah, drama. people were complaining yeah. about like you know about certain things with Vader, and it's just like. Has anybody watched the movies? <laughs> Vader is the most dramatic bitch there is. Yo, Anakin's like, in there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Rebels, yeah, like he's flying on like the TIE fighter and people are like, wait, but there wouldn't be wind, right? So is he using the force to... 100% he would be. 100%. He's making that happen. <laughs> even, he's even dramatic. The... He's owns it. It's fine. <laughs> and then in, in, in Rogue One, he turns off the lights on his life support <laughs> to, make a, to make a total blind entrance. Like, that's how dramatic he is. Yeah, he's even, dramatic. It, it, he was, even, he's even here, always been dramatic. <laughs> even in, in the speeder chase here, like... Oh, I missed him. Sorry, Master. And Logan One's lecturing him, and he just like eats himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, I gotta go. Yeah, and so that drama is. And then, still yeah, there. exactly. He's he's always had even in the Phantom Menace. Whenever like he's a little kid, like his whole thing with Padme being like, "Are you an angel?" Like he's just a very dramatic, emotionally driven person. So I think they did a. Like, this is why I think Attack of the Clones specifically did such a good job because Vader is so dramatic. People don't like to see it because they just see him as this menacing big bad baddie with a lightsaber in the and the force and he's cool and he is i'm not denying also. that but he's also that padawan learner that is very dramatic and he i think they do a good job at making you go back and look at vader being like oh yeah oh yeah you're extra see now, now i'm thinking that he's still in there and i'm getting sad about him and his fate now yeah. <laughs> for sure they found some kind of voice modulation thing for him or something like some kind of kind of way to imitate his voice because in like in Lion King, the, a few, a few yes. years ago, you, you can tell he's a ninety-year-old man. Like yeah. his voice isn't going to be the same as it was in the seventies. But that was crystal Good. clear, and the, the, the things they did with him and Hayden's lines delivered like yes, top Phenomenal. notch. Yeah. I, I guess my brother, I thought it was well that when voices mixed, it actually came up more like Matt Lander. I wouldn't yes. be surprised if he's in there, actually. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised either if they did that, yeah, yeah. To, to kind of make it. But there was, again, through the Attack of the Clones when I was watching it, there was a few times where I was like, they did a great job at the voice actor for Matt Latner for, for the series. A lot of their nuances are very perfectly similar with how they say things, so I thought they did a, a good job for that. But Matt Lanner's almost replaced Anakin, or replaced Hayden for me as Anakin, too, because like, he's in so much, there's so, so much, much time with him in the Clone Wars, yes. and like that voice becomes so kind of iconic to me as Anakin, yeah. that watching this actually was kind of like, oh yeah, Hayden was like this in this movie, not yeah. like Clone Wars Anakin. Yes. So that was another kind of modern twist on it, too. Yes. How'd you feel about seeing Boba Fett for the first time? <laughs> we... My our, our other co-host Patrick and I interviewed Daniel Logan at uh, London Comic Con 2018, and I, I just love his scene so much more now. I haven't, I haven't heard like the backstory behind it. He told a great story about how when he was filming the scene where when one comes to the door, mm -hmm. he was uh, he was acting like as though his uh, his older brothers at home had gotten in trouble with the cops again, and that's why he's giving them that indignant lip. And that's all that's all I can see. You know, it's just the, <laughs> the attitude, all the yippies and stuff. That's classic Anakin too. That's just classic George Lucas, yeah. child writing, I guess. Like, yes, yeah. He's trying to. Uh, he, he's very wanting to portray the innocence of children, I think, right? And just that, that scene, and then, too, until they the Until they ruin everything with the chi childhood, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that, that scene with the helmet is the saddest thing. And then childhood doesn't matter. No, no. <laughs> that whole age thing with Padme is a weird stipulation. 
Oh, uh, Johnson's book? Yes, I, you need to I, read. I, I, I totally need to read them because, again, I'm in love with her. So, like, yeah. I've, I've only read the first one and you need, need to, to read, read that. Totally yeah. Yeah. Padme's whole handmade thing. Again, like, haven't read those books, too, or at least the first one. The the death at the, at the start of the movie is, like, hits home so much harder because you know about the whole program. Just came out, uh, does a really, really good job of her thoughts on her and relationship. Ooh. Actually, it's, it's really good. Nice. Just stop a chapter on the way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and she's a local author too. She's a she's an Ontario author too. So yes, I've spoken to her. Oh, awesome! Oh, cool. Nice. Good to see good Canadian folk getting involved in Star Wars. Yes. Hayden too, actually. Uh, he's, yep, he's yeah, Canadian. So. And Deborah, and Deborah, and yep. Deborah Chow. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. I didn't hear about that part actually. Oh, that's great. They were in Toronto on Wednesday. That would have been. Oh, you were awesome. there. Very nice yeah. That's amazing. I mean, just in awe that that even happened. I know. <laughs> like, well, I like I was in awe whenever you got to meet Daniel Logan. I was like, you met young Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Something you don't really appreciate until like that time. I know. Just, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, they, they did again. Clone Wars did great things with Boba Fett's origin too. Yes. Like there was a whole animatic because the episode never didn't get to air. But they did the whole thing where he kind of stepped into the armor and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I'm really disappointed they didn't do that in the final season of the Clone Wars. But I guess they were prioritizing. Ahsoka and Anakin's yes. things, but um, they need to yeah. fill some holes there. <laughs> that, the, that that scene with him and, and Jango's helmet though is like the saddest thing. It's yeah, in Star Wars it's movie. heartbreaking. It's such a poignant scene. Well, they do such a good job with such minimal screen time of showing the relationship that Jango and Boba have together. I find mm-hmm. that uh, you can see that they're they're like inseparable. Yeah, yeah. Jango's a good dad. There's not too many good dads in Star Wars. But. No, yeah. <laughs> well, they try. They try their best. Stardust and all that. Fun and interesting, actually. We, we talked in our last one about Phantom Menace, about how it dominated like the box office that mm-hmm. year. I was surprised. I, I looked into it. Attack of the Clones was fourth overall in the box office. I'm not office. surprised because people didn't like the Phantom Menace, so they probably went into the Attack of the Clones being like, it's going to be just as crappy. Well, here's the thing. It was <laughs> up against, so the number one was uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Yeah. Best Spider-Man. one. Spider-Man was number three, and Harry Potter, the Chamber of Secrets was number two. <laughs> that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast that's a whole other podcast especially with this one yeah. especially with this one yeah so like you kind of beat me to the punch though do you think it was because of the competition it had the box office or do you think it was like reputation from Phantom Menace and... I think it was more reputation because it's Star Wars come on I know Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter but it's Star Wars like it's like the OG like everything right so mm-hmm. I think it was I think it's because the episode one didn't go over well with people Everybody got burned on the merch. Yeah. The merch was aggressive. Yeah, that was a lot. They have a whole movie about the, about the fans going about uh, trying to get their picture print, and the third writer's going to with that film is going, what the film sucks? <laughs> that was a, fan, a fandom or fan. Uh, yeah, no, Fanboys, fan yes, thank yeah. you. That's a great movie, yeah. That was a fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's called a kidnap uh, George Lucas on the. Um, one member of this group of friends is dying with terminal cancer or something, yes. and he just wants to see Phantom Menace before he dies. Yeah, so um, they so break they, in. They eventually break in to go to see a viewing of the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I think he kind of leaves it as like I'm not saying a word about it. You can kind of get your own interpretation of it, which I thought was a nice mm-hmm. takeaway from that, especially because you know, like reputation, word of mouth does so much to like kind of tarnish things before people have seen them. Too, yeah. like, I think that has happened with some of the uh, sequels and things like that. Someone walks out going, "Oh, it sucks," and someone else hears that without seeing it. And they kind of buy into it because someone said it. Or the hype. Media. People are like, "It's going to be the best movie you ever saw." So you have like these crazy expectations. You're like, "Well, it wasn't the best movie I ever saw." Having <laughs> expectations, yeah, is so much of it too. Because yeah. like, like I said, Phantom Menace kind of like 
I was a big Star Wars fan before all that. I liked Phantom Menace, but afterwards I was like, okay, I want to do other things right now. Like, yeah. I kind of got into other and things. And that's, I think, what happened with a lot of people that came into Star Wars. Because, again, the whole idea, just like the TV shows and things like that, is to try to bring every new generation into Star Wars. So it did a great job for people like me that were brought into it. But anybody that's seen the original were like, that wasn't Star Wars. So, <laughs> it, again, I think it took all this time, all the extras, to fill in between, fill the plot holes, Disney was a huge godsend to the Star Wars universe to fix so many things and add we're so We're getting much. Star Wars, at least. Yeah, yeah. we're getting Star Wars um, to really make everybody now kind of be in a, a happier place. People are always going to like and dislike things over Star Wars for, for their own preferences, for what they like and don't like. But I think we can all agree that Star Wars is great. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> 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 the other problem is just a few months after The Matrix, an innovative revolutionary type of science fiction film. Mm-hmm. And Lucas is doing the same move. I mean, half the measure is going, it's a old school basic face him with new blood. New blood's kicking his ass. Yeah, George Lucas is a little too optimistic for the post Matrix landscape. Yeah, that was a definitely a factor, I think, too, than how things were changed. Because mm-hmm. Matrix came in with a huge revolutionary, literally, uh, yes. mindset. And then again, the hype for that, and then people don't like, didn't like those sequels to those movies either. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that was even worse. That was a whole, again, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> It's like it was one of those uh, was one of the older generation watching the Star Wars when it first came out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with THX and just amazing, you know. Yeah. It's the same with Matrix. You know what I mean? You can't really like. Can't really go back. No, you can't embody the first time that you experience it. Absolutely. And yeah. just like being a, being like an eight year old kid in the theater, you have the THX sound and all that stuff, and it's just you've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And it's when it's like that, it's all encompassing, right? Like yeah. It's, so it's, it's such hard a huge to, monolith in your mind. You no, know, we talked about it our last panel actually, nostalgia versus reality. So a lot of times we find that nostalgia is the thing that drives people to either like or not like other things. So people who have all this beautiful nostalgia with the original trilogy came into the prequel and it being different because of CGI, because of the way they're doing the lightsaber battles, it's like so many different things, and their nostalgia outweighed it being like because Star Wars meant so much to them, right? Which mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. It's great that that's a thing, but I think we also have to realize that everything is always evolving and always changing, and, and we have to keep up with that, too. So even it's though it was rough around the edges, it still, I think, is what made all of the Star Wars galaxy, universe, everything, its full self. So I mm-hmm. think we can all appreciate it for that. Yeah. Did anyone else have any other questions, comments? Oh, yeah. Well, not bad. It's nice to get out again. Yeah, it's it a bit nerve-wracking because we haven't done a panel and been like with people in like two years, you know, COVID. So uh, it was it's like, been... oh, God, people again. Talking in front of people. Here we go. You guys have been great. Thank yes, you for coming thank out. thank you. And um, thank you for being interactive. Yeah, you can find us on social media. And like I said, our podcast is available on all the platforms. And yeah, we have we'll some have cards up here. So if you want it, New episodes out. coming out soon. And yes. yeah. All right. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Well, it's time to sign off. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. Our network of Star Wars shows is available wherever podcasts are free, with new episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on social media at Kyber Club or send an email to quarterportionpodcast at gmail.com. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer on the show. Until next time, be you one with the Force, and may the Force be with you. The Quarter Portion Podcast is a production of the Copper Club Podcast Network.